Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I am thrilled to bring you another weekly episode of Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. Today is an extra special day because I'm sharing the first interview of season two. I recently sat down with Jamie, the language coach behind Multilingual Mastery, and we had a wonderful conversation touching on a wide range of language learning topics. Jamie shares how she got into language coaching after realizing that she'd been approaching her own language learning all wrong. She had followed all the standard advice, used all the typical resources, and even lived in the country where her language was spoken, yet after everything, she still didn't feel fluent. But instead of throwing in the towel, she decided to start talking about language learning on her blog. And today, she shares a lot of what she discovered about language apps, language advice, and language learners through her experience researching about learning languages and how that led her to start Multilingual Mastery. In this conversation, Jamie and I talk about language advice, expectations, standards, and buzzwords you hear in the language learning community that can easily lead to burnout, stagnation, and anxiety. We talk about what sustainable language learning can look like, why the word fluent really gets under our skin, and how we can each take control of our own unique language journeys. Jamie shares an overview of her multilingual mastery method and how she helps her clients discover a sustainable and flexible language plan for themselves tailored to their particular goals and desires. I had a wonderful time chatting with Jamie. She definitely gave me a lot to think about when it comes to how I view my own language journey, and I hope you get something out of our conversation as well. And with that, I will begin my interview with Jamie of Multilingual Mastery. Welcome, Jamie, to Love, Joy, and Languages. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I am happy to be here talking about languages. And first, tell our listeners about you, your background, your history, and then what brought you into the language learning community. Okay. Um, My name is Jamie. I am the language coach behind Multilingual Mastery. Um, I started out learning Spanish in high school, and it was fine, but that's it. And I don't know how to necessarily verbalize it. Um, like why I've always been so interested in languages. I just have been. They just seem interesting. I feel like I should have like a more tangible reason for it, but I just don't. Maybe one day it'll just, you know, come to me. Um, But I've always loved the idea of learning languages. So when I was learning Spanish in school, I'm pretty sure I took Spanish one three different times. Um, So the basics are solid. I will never forget those. (laughs) So probably about high school-ish, I decided that, you know, okay, I really want to do this. I really want to try. And so I started looking around and this was back before Duolingo. This was back before all the language apps. And there were so many different options. There was Rosetta Stone and Pimsleur because they've been around for decades, um, but they were so expensive. You had to drop like a few hundred dollars for the CD set. And it was just way too much. And I was in high school. I didn't have $500 laying around. So I do remember starting with a um, a platform called Live Mocha. It doesn't exist anymore. And I tried to stick with that. Um, I had, I definitely had um, mental health issues that got in my way. Um, and, you know, I, I know a lot of people relate to that. And most people don't talk about it. Um, but yeah, so I have anxiety, which means sometimes I lose motivation, I get depressed. 
And so that just really got in the way of learning languages because I was thinking, wow, I really want to, I just can't. Oh, I must, I must be lazy. I must be, you know, whatever. So I, I, I kept hitting that wall for years of, wow, I really want to learn. And then every time that motivation would come back, I would do it live mocha or, and then when Duolingo became a thing, I was like, I'm going to go through the Duolingo tree. This is, I'm going to go through the whole tree. I'm just going to like obsess over it. And it never worked out, of course. And I didn't know why. Um, and it wasn't until after college, I think, I wanted to be a travel blogger originally. So I was living in Spain at the time. I was teaching English in Spain. And so I decided I was going to be a travel blogger and I was going to blog all about my travels, except that I hated doing that. <laughs> so it didn't last. But with that experience, I learned all about websites, creating content, SEO. And so when I decided to finally take the plunge and stop trying to be a travel blogger and start instead learning about language learning, which is what I actually wanted to learn about, that's when I started looking up all of these language learning apps because I'd found that, you know, there are people who are talking about language apps, but I could tell that they weren't actually realistic. They definitely came with a sense of please buy this product because I'm going to make money. Um, and it was really disingenuous. And I was thinking, you know what, let me just try it out. And that's how I got my background in knowing like everything about different language apps and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it just kind of stumbled into recognizing these patterns and understanding how different people function and learn languages. And eventually I started getting emails from readers asking me directly for help. And that's when I realized, you know, generally when people ask me for help, they they come to me with a simple question, but it's never a simple answer. Mm -hmm. And so when I got those initial emails, I said, you know what? I can't like ethically, I can't just tell you which app to choose. They would, they would come to me with like 20 different apps that they had collected over the years, ask me which ones to use. And so I just, I can't just tell you, but if we hop on a call and I can like ask you more about what's going on, maybe I can give you advice that will actually help you because Otherwise, like, I don't, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you'd like. You know, there's so many different factors. And that's how I became a language coach completely accidentally. What's really, really interesting about this is that I feel the same way you do when you were saying that you, you were always interested in languages, but there wasn't a reason it was just, yeah. you just were. And I've tried yeah. explaining that many times on this show, especially that I, I've just always been fascinated by them. Like I didn't okay. grow up in a bilingual household. I had a couple bilingual friends, but I didn't really hear them speaking Korean or Spanish. You just knew mm -hmm. that they could. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I grew up in Kentucky. We heard English <laughs> and English and more English. So, right. I, but I just knew, I just knew that yeah. I loved languages. And then finally finding them in my thirties, I was like, mm -hmm. this is what it was all about all along. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just always thought, well, I'm, I'm a math person. I guess I'm not meant for languages, but still there was something in there. Yeah. But who knows what it was? You yeah. don't have to have a reason. Yeah, like exactly. That. And that's, you know, when people say, oh, you know, I, I just, I want to have, I want to be able to speak Italian, but I know that's not a good enough reason. Mm -hmm. Why is that not a good reason? How yeah. many things do we do in our lives because we like them? Like there doesn't have to be 
like a real reason there does there doesn't have to be it doesn't have to fit into the rule book of these are the things that you can enjoy these are things that you can spend your time doing like you can just enjoy it and you don't even have to have a reason to you know that reminds me of two at different phases in my life I've been interested in different things I taught myself Mm -hmm. how to knit when I was in my 20s and I can still do it but I don't do it often like for a hobby Mm -hmm. I used to after I had my my daughter I trained for a half marathon and I became a runner for several years and I haven't really run in like two years now and like different phases and it's okay for something to just be a hobby you just want to learn Italian so learn Italian it doesn't have to be a big life-changing overhaul and you have to reach fluency Mm -hmm. study it for a couple years Mm -hmm. be able to order your pizza travel to the country and then that's cool it doesn't have to be a thing honestly struggled with that a lot myself and I know that you know a lot of my clients have because they we've really had to work on that mindset shift of you know theoretically I would love to sew an entirely brand new closet for myself I would love to I would love to sit down for an hour every single day and just sew and just create this amazing unique but that's just not realistic you know and you know to this day I still haven't learned to sew but honestly I'm not sure if I actually want to or if I like the idea of it Mm -hmm. but it's just so many you know I had a client who you know she played piano she did all these things and she always felt so guilty when she had all these hobbies but she just you know watched Netflix or watch YouTube Uh, yeah and you know, she felt so guilty about not doing, like, not practicing the piano and, you know, not practicing her language. I said, why? You're allowed to do nothing. Mm-hmm. You are allowed to just do things when you want to. And, you know, I know people love to say, if you want to learn a language, study every single day. No. <laughs> No, do what and, you want, <laughs> and it's not realistic either. It puts so much pressure on you, and then that goes back to the whole mental health thing, which we could mm-hmm. create. Just, I mean, an entire season of episodes just surrounding yeah. that, which I might someday because I talk about enough, you know, perfectionism stuff here, um, yeah. but anxiety too. And whenever you feel like I have to do this and I have to do that, and now I'm failing at that, and I'm putting this off, and oh by the way, my dishes are piling up, and my laundry is piling up, and my kids are screaming. If you have kids, it, my mm-hmm. dog needs to be taken for a walk all of those things compounded, we're going to shut down more. It's mm-hmm. not going to motivate us to do more when mm-hmm. we want to. And, and we put this pressure on ourselves. It doesn't motivate us to do more. Generally speaking, it's more, um, what's the word? It, it makes us freeze more than it does. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a surface level motivation that, like I said, in theory seems awesome. You know, if you're truly committed then you will spend 10 minutes every single day with your language. Mm-hmm. If you can't spend 10 minutes, then you're just not going to learn a language and you should just give up. I've absolutely seen that on the internet before. Yes. And then that first yeah. day that you missed 10 minutes because you couldn't catch your breath all day, what happens? You know, it's just, it's horrible. You feel so bad. Mm-hmm. You feel so guilty. And I mean, I've done that before. I, I remember once I committed to, I got, I got a book of um, writing prompts. And I said, okay, I'm going to answer one writing prompt in Spanish every day. And if I miss a day, it's okay. I'll make it up tomorrow. I'll make it up the next day. Yeah, always make it up. (laughs) (laughs) So I did one writing prompt and I still have it in a closet where it's this really pretty book with one page filled out in Spanish. And the next day I looked at it. I was like, "Uh, no, it's not gonna happen. I'll just do it tomorrow. And then the next day I was like, okay, well now I have to do two, but I just, I'm just overwhelmed and it just, it compounds. You feel more and more stressed out. So you eventually just hate it. You hate language learning and it feels mm. like an impossible task. 
And instead of just like putting on a song, you know, and enjoying it. And, you know, even if it doesn't feel like you're making quote unquote progress, you're still doing something with it as opposed to feeling like crap because you're not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't help anybody. So tell me your, your opinion. Do you think these okay. people who go around on social media and say, if you don't, if you don't study for at least 10 minutes a day, or if you don't do it every single day, then you're not serious. If you really wanted to do it, you would do it. Do you think those people have real experience learning languages and actually do it every day? Or are they just trying to preach themselves to motivate themselves and sound like they know what they're talking about? Um, I think they do. Either that or they don't and they just lie about it. Mm, hiding um, it to make themselves look like they, they know what right, they're doing. Right, right. But I mean, I've, yeah. I've definitely seen, you know, some of the people online who have, you know, used that approach and, you know, not naming any names, of course, but, you know, they've had, like, they've burned out. Yeah. And they've like, they're, it's, you know, obviously you don't know what, you, you don't know the parts of people's lives that they don't show you. Right. So there's no way to know for sure. But in my mind, I feel like if people are getting up on their, you know, online pedestal and they're sharing these things that are like, they seem fine. But when you think about it and you know about more of these, you know, what's realistic kind of things, mm -hmm. it's, it's unhealthy. And yeah. so, okay. So if they're saying these things and they're really rallying behind these concepts and it's not healthy. What does the rest of their life look like? When are, when are they going to crash and burn? Mm, yeah, and it happens. And you know, it's 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 really a shame to see. And it's really you know, I see it so much with people who are who want to learn languages, and they just they have these really unrealistic expectations. You know, I want to learn this language, but I just don't have the time, and I just I can't go abroad I'm busy I'm like there's no rules mm, for this yes yes there are no rules and I know that rules are comforting for a lot of people that people ask me what exactly they should be doing like I said I'm like I don't know I don't know I can tell my clients because you know I've spent time with them and we've had these conversations but random people on the internet, I don't know. And I'm sorry that you don't like that answer. I know that you're looking for me to recommend an app for you. And I can totally do that, but I won't. Because I gave you a review of all of them. Right, right. <laughs> they do, but. Like, I just, yeah. I can't give you a simple answer because there's just so much, like, there's so many misconceptions floating around in everybody's minds mm -hmm. that me fixing one of the symptoms doesn't change the problem. Yes. And this reminds me of every, every single thing I've ever tried doing in my life. It's whenever I wanted to be vegetarian or vegan, I am so pumped in the beginning. And what happens that first time that I eat an egg or the first time that I eat meat for whatever reason, whether it was reasonable mm -hmm. or not, you know, I'm at someone else's house and that's what they've offered, you know? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. reasonable not to be rude and to eat what's there. Mm -hmm. And then do I feel guilty? Well, because now I've broken that rule that I set mm. for myself, but who says, you know, it was mm -hmm. my, my role that I set for myself when I was mm -hmm. training for my half marathon. What happens mm -hmm. that first day that I break my streak of running because I'm sick or whatever, what happens? Like when mm -hmm. we set these very stringent rules on the things that we're trying to do in our lives. And I mean, if you are a person who really likes rules and abides by them, set rules. Great. There's no yeah. problem. But for the rest mm -hmm. of us, like 
we put so much strain on ourselves for how to do something. Right. It just I mean, it doesn't make not, any sense. Because it's not when it when it gets that far, it's not following rules. Mm-hmm. It's more trying to be a robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're human. We're yeah. not like with even with the best rules in the world, nobody's going to fall on them 100 percent There are so many other factors to life and to people that you just cannot expect rules to be that strong and black and white. That's just not how anything works, you know? I think too, talking about the rules and especially in the beginning of something, we're in that honeymoon phase and we want to do it right. And we want to, you know, this is how other people have done it or this what other people say to do. Mm-hmm. That kind of comes from a place of that fear of failure. If mm-hmm. I just follow all the rules, if I just follow what everyone else mm-hmm. says to do, then yeah. then there's no way I can fail because right. we don't give ourselves that grace when we do miss the day, when we do break a rule for whatever reason. And what comes is anxiety yeah. and, and fear yeah. of, well, what happens next? What does this say about me? What does yeah. this say? Can I even call myself a language learner if I didn't touch my language app today? You know, right. all of those, the fear of failure and then the seeking after labels seeking mm-hmm. after being the polyglot, being the multilingual, being the language learner, being the Spanish speaker. I mean, right. you name it, all mm-hmm. of those labels that we're after, if we don't feel worthy of them because we're right. not doing what everybody right. else is doing or what everybody else says to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some real thought process in there that we don't really consider. Oh yeah. And all of that. It's, it's, you know, the one mark of progress that I see people striving after is What's your Duolingo streak? The absolute worst. Oh, I hate that so much. After five years of Duolingo, I finally got my 365 day streak. I got the badge. It was the last badge <sighs> I needed. And I haven't picked it up a day since. Not one day. <laughs> and I have no desire to. And now I got the update. So forget about it. It's just right. not happening. And I, I've always enjoyed Duolingo. Like yeah. I, I went through all the things, you know, all the all the phases that people go through thinking it's going to make me fluent and then it doesn't. And then what if I miss it? You know, I've been through all that, but in the end, I really do like it. I really, at least before the update thought I learned a lot of vocabulary and grammar from it, but Mm -hmm. I haven't touched it since I got the badges. So for Mm -hmm. me, that tells me, yeah, that's not uh, necessarily what I thought it was. It's, it's really unfortunate because I mean, we've been trained for Mm. years Duolingo streak, the streak. And so there's so many other apps that do streaks too. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, I understand people are looking for that sign of progress. And yeah. it even comes back to, you know, in high school when, okay, did I learn this language well? Oh, well, I got an A on my test. Right. So that means I did well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now as an adult with Duolingo, oh, well, I got my 10 XP today and I got it yesterday and I have the past 100 days. So I'm succeeding. Mm-hmm. But neither of those are actually reflective of anything meaningful. And so it's really, you know, and I have a whole, so um, the the course I take my clients through, the method, it's broken up into three phases. And the final phase is all about learning how to see that progress for yourself. And like, what does it actually, what does progress look like for you? And setting your expectations so that you're not just, you know, you don't learn five common phrases and then expect to be able to approach a native speaker and have a full-fledged conversation. 
Mm-hmm. Just saying those expectations, like let's 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 think about what you've actually learned and what you're actually able to do. You know, let's let's keep it real. So I imagine that with your clients, you see a lot of a lot of changes in progress with their languages and how they feel about their languages and how they're viewing their overall journey. Do you get to see a lot of personal progress as well? Like people not caring about the streak anymore or not worrying about if they missed a day and, and things like that, not setting those rules. Oh yeah. I mean, when, when I work with my, with my clients, 100% of them stop worrying about streaks (laughs) and depending on like the severity of the experience, you know, whether they've been like really burned by Duolingo, like just missed the 500 day streak because of like a time zone change or something. Um, some of them just like swear off streaks forever and some, okay, that's not what I should be looking for. Let me ignore that mm-hmm. and just avoid that because now I know how to actually see that I'm making progress towards what I'm actually trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the most interesting thing perhaps about coaching in the way that you do is that you get to see all of those personal shifts and those personal changes. Mm-hmm. And then you know that when someone has completed all of your three phases and and you're sending them off into the world on their own, you know, you've provided them with the ability to, to continue on and sustain what mm-hmm. they've learned with you mm-hmm. and what you all have worked on together. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so many other, you know, even any, any course or any app, you finish your, your A1 level course or book or something that teaches you some language, but then mm-hmm. what, like, how can you transfer that to the next course or to the next thing that you choose? Oh, yeah. If If you're not, finding those sustainable habits and sustainable Mm -hmm. mentality. How far do you progress? So many courses, like all of the courses, I feel like, to be honest, they go through that mentality of, okay, you've learned this. Well, Mm -hmm. now you need to learn this. And here's a really good deal if you commit to it. Yes. And your ability to learn the language depends 100% on how much money you can spend. Mm, absolutely and I it's terrible it's like yes absolutely people should get paid but at the same time are you teaching people how to learn languages in a realistic way Mm -hmm. because the thing is that even with all these modern day apps and resources and methods 99% of learning language has not changed we still do it the same way we have different tools that make it more accessible but the actual methods and strategies have not changed because our brains haven't changed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you might find a course that's really great for you and that's awesome. You don't need that course to learn in that particular way. You can find another more accessible resource, more interesting resource that does the same thing, just in a different way. Mm -hmm. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars because you want to learn the language in this way. Yeah. You know, what has changed though? is the mm. buzzwords that go along oh, with all of you. those methods. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm. not even to name any of them, because again, that would be an entire episode of buzzwords, <laughs> which I thought about doing before. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's just so, all the different methods that they're, they're there, they haven't changed. And some people can produce content, create content that really brings out these buzzwords. But then whenever you're banking on those buzzwords and banking on people coming to you because of that, I don't know. I, I feel like there's ethical lines perhaps there. Yep. And, you know, oh, like I, said, I, I know marketing, I know people should get, should get paid for it, but yeah, yeah. there's, um, I've talked before in, in the show about 
uh, a program that I used when I was learning Italian in the beginning. And it was a very expensive, a couple hundred dollars, several hundred dollars. And mm-hmm. I still use it to this day, but I, I can't just like go through it. I use it as kind of a first, oh, I want to learn about, um, I don't know, direct object pronouns. Let me go to the to this resource and see mm-hmm. where it starts up. But in the past few days, just this week, I really, really want to hone in on my Italian prepositions because there's just a million rules and a million ways you can break the rules. And it's so confusing. And I'm still, I know that when I'm using them wrong, but I'm never sure which one to choose. So I found a website that kind of guides you through, these are the types of things you should be learning all the way up through C2. And it's just a guide, like here's mm-hmm. the next thing, here's the next thing. So I have that. And then I found any number of, websites that I can go to, to find all of the rules and all of the examples. And then I know enough that one of them said, this is everything you need to know about the preposition in. And I get there and I read and I'm like, "Mm, nope, there's more uses. I know there's more uses. So now I can go Google that, but Mm -hmm. everything is available for free. Um, And if if something, if someone has a Patreon or buy me a coffee or a a donate here, I throw money at it because thank you for your time and your knowledge and Mm -hmm. everything. But what I need specifically is right here, available yeah. for free, and it hasn't yeah. changed. Yeah, talking about the buzzwords, <laughs> I refuse to work to use the word fluent. Mm-hmm. If I ever do, it's completely on accident. <laughs> it's just it doesn't mean anything. It, it doesn't. That's the catchiest word too, because oh, ever you you it. you want to use it in your personal life. At some point, there was a point when you said I wanted to be fluent in Spanish, right? And then oh yeah. I've been studying Spanish on and off for 10 years. I lived in Spain, you know, for nine months and I lived and I worked and I functioned in Spanish. Fluence? Eh. (laughs) Like, honestly, the term fluent is just, I feel confident. I feel confident enough to tell people to set an expectation about if I can communicate decently. Yeah, completely. It, It doesn't mean anything tangible. You know, it's like my husband says, you know, oh, they, they speak Spanish. Why don't you talk to them? Like, ah. <laughs> yes. I mean, when I, when I once said that I wanted to be fluent in Italian, what I really meant probably was I wanted to be an advanced speaker, hmm. but even as I've gone through more levels and I'm, I'm intermediate, I can go to Italy and get around with no problems. I have mm-hmm. no problems understanding the the audio that comes over at the train station. I can order pizza. I can chit chat. I can talk to friends. Like I can, I can do it all. I make major mistakes. I don't mm-hmm. feel fluent. I go slow. I stop and think, but is, is that what I meant whenever I wanted to be fluent? Mm-hmm. Probably not, but I do it and it feels great. So who cares? Like, mm. could I say I'm fluent now? I don't know, my tutor might say probably not, but for me, I I do what I need to do. Yeah, that's that's all I need. Yeah. Yeah, what's funny is being on YouTube, like I don't post videos of myself speaking the languages uh, just because it's so difficult. Like it takes so, Mm. honestly, the video creation process for a foreign language takes like literally 10 times as long. Um, Because I'm trying to make it accessible to my normal viewers who are native Mm -hmm. English speakers, and it's a whole thing. I I think I've made I've I've made at least one video of me speaking in Spanish, and like I had you know so so like everybody was so supportive in the comments. It was great. I I definitely get worse comments with my videos where I'm speaking in my native language. (laughs) 
Of course, of course. There's always someone there to point out. Right. And it's just it's just the, it's wrong. just some strangers on the internet who are jerks and they're gonna be jerks whether you're perfect or not. You know? And you can be perfect. And then I've had comments telling me that I use the wrong form. Like I used I use the word mold as a verb, not a noun. Like to mold a brain or something. Yes. Yes, yes this makes sense, right? Right. You mold right. things. And and somebody in a comment said, Oh, you use the wrong mold. It's supposed to be M-O-U-L-D. I'm like, oh, okay, that just that and then <laughs> then I got another message like, no, you were right. I'm like, oh, was I? I like at the end of the day, does it really matter? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, taking that taking that um perspective into a target language where you don't know. Also, you shouldn't care. It's like, did they get the point of the message? I mean, yes. unless your goals are specifically to like, you know, take an exam or just chill out a little. <laughs> because yes. how many mistakes do you make in your native language? A zillion. You don't even know it until you start creating content. <laughs> you when don't. I go through and edit my my podcast, I'm like, oh, I just use is, but it was supposed to be are. Like I, I right. don't even use the right conjugation of the verb. <laughs> like basic English. <laughs> basic English. And, and it drives us and I say, okay, should I go back and correct it or should I not? I'm trying to make a podcast about getting over perfectionism. I've got to leave it. I have to leave yeah. it. I don't have a choice. <laughs> this is what it is. Honestly, I was I was editing my video that goes live tomorrow and I didn't realize how much I said really, really <laughs> like really I said really then I said really really and I said really 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 I'm like Jamie they get it of course it's it's easy to be like okay I make mistakes in my native language we make these mistakes in our native languages because spoken language isn't the same as Mm-mm. written language or is the same as the I want to say the high language because they call it Hochdeutsch but it's a standard language you know if spoken and standard mm-hmm. are not the same in any language probably I would dare mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. And then there's that that other challenge as language learners, though, that we want to be able to produce this standard speech. And then, I mean, you've lived in the country where your language is spoken and you realize what I'm learning in class, what I've learned in this textbook or on this app is not the way people talk. And it's okay yeah. to learn both. I mean, they learned their language in school too, but at some point, like that's when perfectionism really has to go out the window and making mistakes really has to yeah. go out the window because you just communicating like there's so many different ways of saying things yeah I really wish you know with the resources that teach like the the textbook vocabulary that's not actually used in conversation it's it's fine to teach that tell them tell Mm. people Mm -hmm. I just wish we communicate that like you know oh you're learning this six word phrase but people just say it in one word Mm mm-hmm just tell me so that I can make the choice to ignore it, you know? Yes, yes. I hate that. You never know until you fall on your face. (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) In German, I recently started realizing that I was speaking a little bit more like locals because here they often, in the first person singular conjugation of verbs, you Mm -hmm. pretty much just take off the ending and add an E. So haben becomes haba, H-A-B-E. But a lot of times it's just, they truncate it. They just take off the E completely and I hear it. And sometimes you see it on websites or, or in books, it'll have like H-A-B and then like the E will be in parentheses. I never knew what that meant. I'm hmm. like, the way I learned it was, was this conjugation, but I hear it so often that I realized I started saying it like, I have whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Ooh, 
like I didn't <laughs> think through that process. It's just, I hear it so often uh-huh. that I started doing it myself. And I'm like, now that book makes sense. But have I ever read or seen a description of why that E is in parentheses? No, oh, I just I had to live it to, to learn it. That is my biggest pet peeve is when people say, do this. Why? Because I said so. Mm. I, I, I've always hated that ever since I was a kid. When I was a kid, I couldn't do anything about it. Now I can. <laughs> it's like every single thing that I teach clients, I teach do this because this reason. If you do it like this, this will happen. Mm-hmm. You do it like this, this will happen. Because like it's, you got to learn to like make your decisions and think for yourself. And learning to make the wrong decisions too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like we said, there's there's so many resources out there that are all teaching basically the same thing or, or teaching through different methods, whatever. You're going to find a method that you put your heart and soul into and spend years and years doing, and it's not going to get you anywhere. You're going to yeah. have to come to a point, eventually come to that realization personally that I've, I've sunk all of my time and energy into this and it's just not the right one. It's not the right app. Mm. And then you go searching for another one, maybe starting all over. And those experiences are valuable. Learning from those experiences is very, very valuable Mm -hmm. to moving forward properly. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not a big fan of that, (laughs) which is why I like, you know, I created my course because I'm like, I just, I remember there was a time few years out of college whereas you know I want just a roadmap to learn Spanish I just Mm -hmm. you know like we were talking about with the rules like I want to know exactly what to do how to do it just tell me and so being a creative person I decided that I was going to start creating that resource myself which looking back why (laughs) like I know functional Spanish depending on the day you know I am not a Spanish teacher by any means I can't I I try teaching English not for me <laughs> and it never went public it never went live if if there's a mistake I've made it <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same if there's a mistake yeah. I've made it if there's an app I've used it if there's a language method yep. I've tried it yep. because because I've just always been chasing for a mm-hmm. long time chasing fluency and then mm-hmm. chasing that why is this working for other people and not me why is this person saying I learned through only through comprehensible input? And I'm like, but why not me? Why can't I do that? And because it just goes what so does, much deeper. What does learning mean? Yes. I yeah. learned Spanish. Okay. Can you like write a dissertation? There's no. always something more out there. Okay. I mean, you know, because there there's so many different skills, so many situations, so many contexts. So, you know, I hate, you know learn a language. What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. It's just as vague as fluent. Yeah. Yeah. Just as vague. You know, I learned German using Pimsleur. Okay. But what can you do? Mm. I'm, I'm sure you did, but like, what does that mean for you? Because what learning a language means for me isn't what it means for you. Right. You know? Yeah. I had someone reach out to me on Instagram recently who I had put in my stories a question about what is what is fluency to you and what is fluency not in preparation mm-hmm. for the episode I'm going to release on fluency. And mm-hmm. someone had sent me a message and was like, this is the same as saying speaking. At what point can you say, I speak a language? When do you go mm-hmm. from I'm learning this language or I'm studying this language to I'm speaking the language? And I was like, oh, I have never thought about that. Mm-hmm. I generally don't say I speak Italian, but mm-hmm. I go to Italy and I get around with no problems, having deep conversations with my friends. I mean- I'm just going to start saying I speak Italian and then maybe, maybe one day I'll believe that I really do just yeah. from saying it so much, but it's 
all the same, all of those vague goals, those end points. There is no arrival time. You don't just arrive. Because when you say I speak Italian, for me, that kind of, that kind of insinuates I am done learning. I have conquered Mm -hmm. the language, Mm -hmm. which just is never true. Never. And I think that's like the big sticking point for me. It's like, I I don't want to say that I speak Spanish because I don't want to like, you know, like I said, put those assumptions out there Mm -hmm. and, you know, worry about the other person picking that up and thinking, you know, it's especially here because I live in such a um, Hispanic area and the the accent is more Cuban. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand nearly as much of their Spanish as I did in Spain because Mm. I'm super used to Castilian Spanish. So when I hear Cuban Spanish, it's just, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. And so especially when I'm home, I don't want to say I speak Spanish and then, oh, let me, let me put you in front of this Cuban grandmother who is, Mm. you know, slurring her speech and, you know, oh, you, you speak Spanish. So you'll be, you'll be able to understand her. No, I can Mm. understand it if it's slow and clear. And if they don't use any, you know, regional vocabulary, which Mm -hmm. if it's a Cuban grandmother, they probably will use a lot of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just... Yeah, that's very frustrating. I was thinking if if I hear here in Germany, if I say I speak Italian, it's fine for the most part. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's native Italian speakers here, Mm -hmm. but there's been many instances, especially when I first arrived and my German was very, very basic. I would have to go, I had to take my kid's bike to the bike shop and I asked them if they speak English. They said no. And I said, well, Italian. Yes. Okay, great. We'll go with that. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was better than my German, but I'm still not going to come into many situations where if I, if I hear in Germany say I speak Italian to someone, it just, it just is. If I go to Italy and I start saying, yes, I speak Italian, then everyone's going to try talking to me. And then if they talk very fast and, you know, you hear different accents and stuff like that, it's a different story. So mm-hmm. it would depend. I would be comfortable saying it just in general, but in Italy to an Italian, eh. people don't realize until they think about it, how loaded of a statement that is very much. Especially, you know, there's so many emotions with language learning and, you know, and I'm not not even talking about heritage learners who like have a lot of trauma with their language learning, Mm -hmm. you know, just me who has struggled for so many years and then saying, I speak Spanish, that's really loaded. And I know how many, you know, instances there are where I won't be able to understand what's going on and I won't be able to communicate and, you know, the, the classic, oh, you know Spanish? Okay, say something in Spanish. Oh, my Taco. God. I don't know. I can't <laughs> like, with that. I that happened Ooh. to me recently. I was I was at a I was at a uh, family vote with my husband's family. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of people, and I'm just kind of trying to survive as my introvert self. And you know, you speak Spanish, say something. I've had a drink. I'm trying to survive in this giant social scenario and now you want me to just like bring Spanish out from the depths of my memory Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have in my younger years when I wasn't so aware of Mm -hmm. of that question and everything I mean I love listening to languages I love hearing languages and of course there are many times when when I would meet a native speaker it was was always a native speaker a native Russian speaker or Korean speaker and just be like oh my gosh can I just hear you say something because the the language is beautiful and now I I just can't bring myself to do that like even (sighs) if I say 
that is such a beautiful language it's too much it's too much to ask of someone even even in their native language but yeah Mm -hmm. it's one of the things that I've realized as a language learner that is not a cool thing to ask someone and I've also learned how to cuss very well in Italian so you know if you ask me to say something and (laughs) don't ask me to translate it (laughs) yeah for me also it connects with the idea of showing off your language Mm -hmm. performative perform right like a lot of people love to do on the internet. I don't like to do because it's difficult. And also that's not why I learn languages. I don't, I'm not trying to show off my fluency. And if you need me to prove that I can speak another language in order to like, listen to me, okay, you can unsubscribe. That's fine. Because I'm not here to perform my trick, speaking a few sentences in this language. Like that's not what I'm about to do. Yeah. So tell me, we will switch topics briefly. Tell me about multilingual mastery and what's your what's your ideology? What could someone expect coming to you saying, I've I've been trying to learn this language for a very long time and I'm getting nowhere. I've tried all the resources and I need help figuring out what's going wrong. What could they expect from your program? So as I mentioned before, the method is broken up into three phases. The first one is on mindset. So before we even worry about resources and methodology, we get really crystal clear on what it is that you want to learn based off of like, based on different skills, based on what you want to be able to do with the language. So we spend the first, the first third of the course is just on you and also, you know, anything that that you are holding yourself back with. So any, any um, limiting beliefs, any, you know, I'm too old, I'm afraid of making mistakes, I'm afraid of being laughed at, all of those things. And then we don't even get into resources until phase two. And, you know, like I mentioned, it's not even coming from a, you know, use this resource to achieve this, because languages exist without all of the resources that we have available it just makes it more accessible Mm -hmm. so instead we come at it from these are the ways that we have always learned languages here's how you can do it intentionally to achieve this specific goal that you set out in phase one and once you've decided on the strategy here are a couple options for different resources that are available. You know, maybe it'll be a really, really popular one. Maybe it will be a Rosetta Stone. Maybe it will be, you know, what have you. But if you don't like that app, there's also this resource that does a very similar thing. And, you know, there's slight differences, but the approach is the same. And then phase three is metrics. Do like an M thing, alliteration. Metrics where, you know, once you know exactly what you want to achieve and how you want to achieve it, and you've gotten through all the blocks that you've had and, you know, you know, maybe traumas that you've had, um, once you get through all of that and you have a game plan, then the third phase is about sticking to it, whatever that looks like for you. Because as we said, you don't have to study every single day. You can take a year off if you want to, and that's totally fine. It's about learning how to do that in a healthy way so that you're not beating yourself up for missing a day, for missing a month. That's not necessary because we are human and we need to treat language learning as if we are human who enjoy this thing. So how do you combine, you know, how you take this plan, but then also be reasonable about your expectations and what can you expect progress to look like? You know, now that you're not depending on the streak, now that you're not looking for an A plus, 
what does that look like for you? Because it, it's different for everybody, mm-hmm. different for everybody's goals and desires and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe you'll achieve this in three months. Maybe you'll achieve this in a year. What you're looking for is data, you know, set, set out this expectation. And if you miss it, that's fine. This, that's not like a bad thing. That's not a failed grade. That's information. That's, you know, okay, I really overestimated how much I could do, or I really underestimated, or wow, I'm really not actually interested in learning these specific things anymore. I need to shift and learn these specific things because I don't actually want to do that anymore. I need to change. And, you know, like we were saying, you know, this isn't something that you have to get, you know, okay, this is the first product this is a1 now you have to learn a2 it's like it's a whole thing where you're just restructuring how you're thinking about language learning so it's not do this thing do that thing mm-hmm. now you're fluent hooray what i like about this is that it sounds like at whatever point in someone's language journey they come to you and and say i i need help let's dig in and you go through the mindset you go through the methods you go through the metrics then what? What happens when they they now become an intermediate level or they have a an advanced level and the resources that they're going to use change, the methods mm-hmm. they're going to use to learn change. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they've had a baby, gotten a job, mm-hmm. gotten a divorce, anything, anything that changes mm-hmm. their life that now everything about your life changes. Mm-hmm. It sounds like this would be something that would be a very good foundational thing that no matter what point they are and no matter what future changes they have, as long as they've got that mindset and they know to go through this process of getting their mind in the right spot, discovering what methods there are for that level, for that time in your life, and then finding a way to, to measure it. Mm-hmm. They, they can go on. They don't have to keep coming back to you, although I'm sure you wouldn't mind, but keep coming back <laughs> to you every time and say, okay, I, I did all of that. And now I'm at B1. So now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Now, what do I do for the next one? Mm-hmm. Every single time it's, it's a sustainable yeah, way of learning. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, if people go through and then they get to intermediate, you know, and they 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 need some more support with an intermediate thing. Um, the thing is, you know, with the way that it's structured, I'm trying to get rid of the question of, oh, what app should I use? Mm-hmm. You know, because once they're educated about what's available for them, what options they can use, what options they should use they can ask themselves really pinpointed questions. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I'm intermediate, but I'm bored. What should I do next? It's, I'm understanding a lot more, but I want to add this vocabulary. I need to improve this vocabulary. Oh, there was this lesson in this phase that goes over this, that talks about you know the different levels and different expectations. So let me go back and review this lesson. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when something comes up and they have a major fumble and they all of a sudden have this fear of, you know, making mistakes again, they can go back to the lesson where we talk about, why are you afraid of that? Let's, let's, let's fix this. It's, it's, it's not something that's just like one and done. Mm. I mean, it is, but then mm. come back and go through all the different phases of language learning because I've been around the block. So I know. <laughs> Well, and again, for the, I think the third time in this conversation, this is something that is applicable to every other part of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you said yeah. you've dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with anxiety. And one of the things that gets me is if you're talking to someone, say there's a person who's an acquaintance close enough that you feel comfortable talking about an anxious period that you have or mm-hmm. some anxiety attack that you have. Right. Mm-hmm. And what happens the next time you see them? Oh, how's that anxiety going? 
Like <laughs> it's almost like they expect that to be, there's an end point where you're like, Oh, it was just a one-time thing. You know, it's good. No, it keeps going. It keeps going. Yes. I don't, I don't know that anxiety is something that anyone gets over. You mm. learn how to deal with it and live with yeah. it and kind of master it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's mm-hmm. the same here. There will come points in your language learning when you feel like you've mastered that fear of making mistakes or the fear of mm-hmm. missing out or the hoarding all the resources you're done with mm-hmm. it. It's in your past. No, it's going to, it's going to keep showing up. It's mm-hmm. going to come up when you get to intermediate. It's going to come up when you move country or make new friends who speak the language, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you've had the tools, you can go back and work on it again. You may not ever master it. It may always be there, but having the tools to be able to go back and say, this is how I dealt with it the first time. And now I can do it again. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's like Perfect. therapy for language learning. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's brilliant. Everyone needs some therapy for language learning. Yes. Big fan. <laughs> now we just need some certified language learning therapists, language oh, coaches. That's the thing now. We're yeah. going to move on to language learning therapists next. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to have a certification, but you heard it first on Love, Joy, and Languages. So of all the advice that you give on, I'm going to go with, um, I, I see you most on Instagram. I've watched mm-hmm. some of your, your YouTube videos, but I just don't YouTube like ever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a lot of your reels that you do on Instagram and I love them. I love your approach to telling people like, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. But if this isn't for you, go do that. If this isn't for you to go do that. What is your favorite advice other than throwing the term fluency out of your vocabulary? What is your favorite mm-hmm. advice that you give ever to anyone? for any reason in language learning. Okay. <laughs> That's why language learning. <laughs> it's got to be language learning. I would say, I guess that whatever you are dealing with, whatever you're experiencing, it's normal and it's been experienced before. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not just for language learning. I know that's for life, but it, you know, that's what I say about life too, you know, cause so, so much of my life has been, you know, dealing with things that I'd never heard anybody talk about, right? you know, because I've had anxiety my entire life. It wasn't until I was an adult that I had a name for it. Mm-hmm. And that makes the biggest difference. So just, you know, when people are, when people come to me and they say, you know, I, my, my parents speak my heritage language natively. They never really taught me the language and now I feel so bad and guilty. And I know it's, this is a normal thing whatever you're experiencing, there are millions of people who have experienced that at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent the wheel or think Mm -hmm. you're inventing it the first time. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. I I dealt with that a lot in the beginning because I would see so many different people who had learned Italian in various ways at at different things. And I just wanted to like, I wanted someone to give me a formula, but then the more I realized, the more I, I thought about like what things were particular to me. I was a parent. I was a grad student. I was an expat. I was an adult who was not already bilingual. Mm-hmm. I didn't find anyone else who, who looked like me in that way. Yeah. I found parents, but they mm-hmm. weren't going to grad school. I found people who had learned it being an expat, but they were already bilingual or multilingual in another mm-hmm. romance language. You know, mm-hmm. no one looked like me. And I kept feeling like I just have to do this myself. I have to find the path for someone like me. And while that's true to an extent, pulling from other people's experiences all around to create what works for you and being flexible to be able to kind of discover all that, like it's so much more valuable than feeling like I'm doing it all myself at this intersection of my life. I'm not. And there's plenty of other people who've experienced all these different things and just having the conversations and normalizing all of it. And honestly, just being accepting of it. Mm-hmm. you know because yeah. that's 
a lot of people have not experienced acceptance with, you know, normal Anything. things in life. Right. And so when they have an experience that they think is new because they've never heard anybody mm. talk about before mm-hmm. and they can't accept it in themselves yeah. because I think it's wrong because, you know, that's not how you're supposed to be. Let me just say nothing in my life has ever been the way it's supposed to be mm. ever. Nope. <laughs> Not once. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you that if language learning is not how you're expecting it to be. You're doing it right. You're doing it completely right. If it's not what you expected. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I love that. I love that. All right. I've got to wrap it up here. It's kids bedtime. Please tell everyone where they can find you online on Instagram, your website, if they want coaching, all of it. Where are you? Everything is multilingual mastery, multilingualmastery.com, multilingual mastery on Instagram, on YouTube. The only thing that's not multilingual mastery is Twitter, but that's because there's, there's too many letters in multilingual mastery. <laughs> so it's like multilingual mass or ma or something like that. I'm, I'm not sure. Just search for that name on whatever social media you prefer. I prefer Instagram. That's where I am talking to people the most. So yeah, that's where I am. Thank you so much for your time, for coming and chatting. This has been wonderful and enlightening and, uh, and it makes me feel good and normal. Yay. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Jamie gave us so much to think about, right? I really appreciate her perspective of setting attainable, practical goals and having realistic ideals for our languages and her honesty in telling her own relationship with Spanish. One of my favorite things about Jamie is that she doesn't shy away from talking about any side of language learning, no matter how ugly or difficult. She openly shares her own experience with mental health, burnout, questioning everything, feeling lost and hopeless in a language, and I love that transparency. Because, as you know, I'm on a mission to normalize all aspects of language learning. We all have different journeys, different situations, different personalities, and the more we talk about the challenges we face or the questions we have about ourselves and our languages, the easier it becomes to move forward with the strength and support of community. Please check out Jamie and follow her work online. I will leave links to her website, YouTube channel, and social media pages in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed our chat today, and until next time, ciao.